Welcome to Why I'll Never Make It, a lighthearted podcast that takes a revealing look at a career in the entertainment industry, featuring stories and interviews with those on stage and backstage, on screen and behind the scenes. I'm Patrick Oliver-Jones, and this is Why I'll Never Make It. Hello, hello, and thank you again for joining me here on the podcast. It has been a busy time here in New York City, what with audition season in full gear, as well as new shows off-Broadway and Broadway opening up and gearing up for the award season coming up. And there's just been so much activity, longer lines at the uh, at the auditions because a lot of regional theaters are here doing their full season of shows, and so there's plenty of opportunity for um, for actors to to get work both in the spring and, and summertime. But with more opportunity means more auditioners, and so those lines have just been getting so long, and it's been it's been tough to get seen for everything, but uh, but even with that, you know, I'm doing two or three auditions a day, so it's uh, certainly keeping me busy, and one person who knows a lot about auditioning is my guest today, and I guess I'm keeping with a theme of sorts. Uh, last week was Tony Howell, who's a friend of mine from the Evita Tour, and Ryan Baylor is here with me today, also from the Avita Tour. That's where he and I met. And he's done not only the Avita National Tour, he was also on the Les Mis National Tour. So he certainly knows a lot about traveling. But his main job, actually, I mean, he's an actor first and foremost, but his survival job, the, the job that pays all the bills, is his tech support company. And he mostly focuses on mac or apple products and that has been what has sustained him in the past 10 years or so when he created this business you know acting is such a sometimes arbitrary field and it's hard to make a living from it so he created his own company and a way to enjoy himself and make money on the side so he joins me today to not only talk about the acting world but also He's going to give us a few best practices when it comes to utilizing our technology, which I don't know about you, but I'm on my computer every day, and it mostly has to do with either this podcast or something to do with auditions coming up. So he's going to give us a few ways to best use our computers and keep them running at optimal speed. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure to be I, here. Well, I mean, I mean, you pretty much had to come. Anytime I ask you to do something, well, I, I think you kind of have you to. You said there are going to be waffles. So <laughs> I, I don't know who would have turned now, that down. Now, I don't feed my guests. That, that's the one rule I have. I, I, can't, I, I can't feed everyone. I'm not a guest. I'm here to work. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is true. This I'm here is to true. do the, to the job. This podcast is work. Eat the waffles. And speaking... Of work. Oh, look yeah. at that. See what you did there? <laughs> See what I did the there? Segue. Nice. So, yeah. So, speaking of work, in this business, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to make it? That's a great question. Um, I don't know that I have a, a set answer, but I would say, to me, being able to work in New York um, or doing work outside of New York in theaters that I've always wanted to work at or maybe a tour, but being able to work regularly. Um, mm. That's not the same as what is my dream. 
Meaning, <laughs> right. Yeah. Meaning being yeah. Uh, saying, have I made it or um, is more, can I work on a regular basis? Sort of like what you've been doing the last few years. You tend to work, you get a job and then you have another job, another job. Right. And so that to me is most actors definition of I've made it. I think a lot of people have aspirations for, I want to be a star on Broadway and that's great. I just think that is a very, such a small pool of people that I think it is not as realistic to um, say that is the only way I'm going to be satisfied. And I think when you talk to people who are on Broadway and who do work regular Broadway, they get there and they're like, well, maybe I want to go into to movies now or maybe I want <laughs> right, to go to LA yeah. or something. So I feel like being able to find some sort of satisfaction with whatever it is you're doing um, is going to be more, is going to be wiser than saying, if I could only do this. Right. Only, yeah. Even even what I just said, if I could only work regularly, then I'd be content. I don't know. I just did a show in Connecticut and it was the first show I'd done in quite a long time and I loved it. I was absolutely content doing it. Um, if I don't work for another six months, that will still have been a wonderful experience. Um, so it's a, that's a tough question. Um, well, it's, it's interesting that you bring up the, the, the term satisfaction, because I think that's, I think that's what has to propel us and keep us going in, in between the jobs. Cause like you said, you, you know, you hadn't worked in a while and it was a Vita that you did recently. And that that satisfaction it can't be like oh only if i reach broadway only if i make this amount of money only if fill in the blank only if i reach that then i'll be happy then i'll be satisfied because we're we might get glimpses of that but then we'll be okay th then we got to go off to pennsylvania and do a show or, or yeah. somewhere else and so we and and there's going to be those months in between where we're not working so we have to have some sort of satisfaction some sort of contentment in this business that is not dependent upon a casting director saying, yes, you made it. That's a great, that's a great point. And I think that's true of anything in life, meaning yeah. whether you're in the business or not. And I experienced that, um, or I saw it, I guess you'd say tangibly when we, when you and I did Evita together, right. you know, four years ago, um, that was the first show I had done in quite a long time. And so I was just like over the moon. I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this show. And it's a, it's a national tour and with all these talented people. And even three months in, I was like, this is great. And everyone else seemed to be excited as we were rehearsing in New York on 42nd street, um, sort of doing it. Yeah. A month or two in, that wasn't the attitude that everyone had. <laughs> right, People right. were like, oh, I'm on a CETA contract and this, oh, you got to go to Kears only for one week. And suddenly they were dissatisfied. And, and a lot of the, that was coming from younger actors. Um, I, I didn't mean, hear that from some of the older actors. I mean, I, I, I will admit, you know, us being two of the older actors that were in the, in the, in the production. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Um, but no, I mean... It, for me, the dissatisfaction came not not because I wasn't doing work that was good, not because great. I've I, I'm I'm doing a national tour, I'm I'm building my resume, I'm I'm being cast by Telsey Casting, you know, yeah. who's who's great to to know. But for me, the dissatisfaction came in that there was such a great disparity between even though we were doing the exact same show that the Broadway had done, there was minimum a thousand dollars difference between yeah. our weekly pay yeah and yeah it's that's like, true and i'm like i'm doing the same choreography 
moving in the same blocking, same lines. Everything's the same. What I heard was better than Broadway. Right, right, right. I mean, I mean, you know, arguably we had we had a better cast, and and I think they made some adjustments to the show that I think benefited it. And but, I think, and and you and I were coming from different perspectives. You were yeah. just coming off Adam's family, right? I, I, I just done Adam's, yeah, family. and yeah. I was coming off nothing. And so for me, uh, what I was getting paid was sort of not not. It, it, it wasn't the focus. Not, yeah, it wasn't focus. It wasn't my priority. I was yeah. just like, I'm doing this. I'm back in the business. I can do. I can do this still. Um, I think what what stood out to me was not someone like you who you you look at things very um, patiently and and carefully. Um, it's you're very you're not reactive. Whereas it looked like a lot of the not a lot of but some people on tour were excited to be there and then suddenly they're like I'm dissatisfied. I yeah. want to do something the, the, else. The thrill had gone, kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. I and I don't mean to call out anyone in particular. It just I was sort of stepping back looking at it kind of going oh that's interesting we were all so excited a few months ago yeah and now not everyone is ex- excited nothing has changed you know what you're getting paid then and you, <laughs> right. you're still getting paid exactly. the same thing exactly. and so it made me think more about this topic of and it's you're almost more philosophical of what does it take to be happy or what does it take to be satisfied hmm. in whatever business you're in and i thought gosh this is a great reminder to me that my personal satisfaction better not come from landing a show because sure enough, I'm going to get bored and then I'm going to have to yeah. go find my happiness again. Right. That doesn't right. sound like a very uh, sustainable model. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that's a, that's a roller coaster of a journey to be on to, to those highs of like doing a show and then six months into it, it's not as exciting or six months later you don't have work. I mean, there's, yeah. it's a constant up and down in this business. And I think it's, it's up to ourselves to kind of even that out so that it's not so crazy high or crazy low. I mean, th- there's nothing wrong with being excited in this business because, I mean, I think most of us got into it to have fun, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we want to have fun. We want to enjoy the songs and the characters that we get to do. But I think we... Yeah, and it's uh, we were doing a talk back at Evita, um, the Evita you and I did, and there was probably eight or nine of us there, and a couple of the leads were there, mm-hmm. and... Someone asked one of the, someone asked a question to the effect of, "Why do you do this?" Hmm. And one person said, "Well, we do it for people like you. They were they were kids, and we do it to you know, for the kids and, and <laughs> to, to show whatever." Yeah. And I was just sort of listening, thinking, "Gosh, how would I answer that question?" Because I don't wake up thinking I want to do it for the kids, and, and I don't mean that as a condescending reality. I just don't. That's not. And then one of our leads said. I do it for the applause. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, that's a very honest answer. Oh my gosh. That's 100% true. <laughs> like I love, I would love it to come out, sing a song and people love it. And, mm-hmm. and when I, you come out and sing a song and the audience is one of those quieter crowds, there's something missing. There's something mm-hmm. not as satisfying. And so yeah. I thought, Oh, that's interesting. There is an aspect of truth to that where it would, for me, it would be disingenuous to say, I would be just as satisfied if the audience was empty. Yeah. Um, and you can sort of play around that and say, well, you are trying to tell a story and without the audience, you can't tell a story and there's some interaction. That's all of those things are true. But, you know, I think we do do this. We probably experienced it as a young child at some point, you know, and, and we sang a song or we, we were funny or we did something and 
our friends laughed or our family laughed or whatever. We're like, oh my gosh, that was cool. I got to make people laugh. Right. Or, I started singing as a kid and people liked, liked, it. liked my voice and yeah, I yeah. kept being cast in this role and that role. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's, there's, there, the audience is important and that's part of the satisfaction. And, um, but that's not the only thing. You know, are you being able, are you, can you make a living? Um, can you pay your bills? Obviously, right. but can you all can as an actor in particular? Something I learned my first year at school and at um, university. I think it was the first day they showed us a book, and I, I think it was acting professionally, but I, I might get that wrong. But it was a book, and the first page of the book was dedicated to showing you the percentage of actors that make a living acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was yeah. less than one percent. <laughs> And they were they were clearly trying to say, "Are you sure you want to do this?" Yeah. Um, and I got I saw I thought, "Gosh, that's interesting." Um, and, but it really was trying to say, "You have to love doing this. Whatever the whatever reason is why you love it is your business." Yeah. But don't get into this business if you think you're going to become wealthy, because it is a fraction of percentage of other businesses yeah. like. A business person or yeah. a doctor or a lawyer or a, a waiter i mean almost all of those other businesses you can consistently probably make a living this one is going to be tough so well and, and and also your your success in most of those businesses is dependent almost solely upon you i mean yes you always have managers and bosses yeah. but your success and how well you do is really dependent upon your own work you do it it's done. You, you and you have success, and you can build. Yeah, you but, get the job. There's no. There's, you're probably not going to lose the job. Right, but but for us, we we have jobs that last a month, two months, you know, maybe a few months. But the next job is, I mean, yeah, we kind of can sing a song or or do a side, but beyond that, then it's out of our hands. And so many other people have their say into whether or not we we get to work in this business. That's a good point. Yeah, I had that experience. I had two two contrasting experiences this over the last week or so i was auditioning for ragtime which is my second favorite show right and, and you've gone in for that before right or has I it been a while I, I feel like i went in once before you know i did yeah i went in for for um seth they were right doing it right, at, right. Um, i can't remember the theater but uh but i hadn't gone in for a year or so and i really prepared for this i, I sang every day i worked on it and and was very excited to go in and um, that's not always the case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I went in, and they gave me sides and um, a song, and they had me sing the song first. I sang the song, and they said, "Great, Ryan. That's all we needed today." And I was like, "Don't you hate that? Oh, okay. Don't you hate that?" <laughs> well, I'd had a string of good auditions where I hadn't gotten that response, so I was like, "Oh, uh, okay. I guess I was really good. They don't even need to hear me read the sides." <laughs> I think that's a great wow. way to look at it. I, mean, I was so good. You're welcome. <laughs> it's like I sang the song, and you don't need to hear the sides yeah. now. Thank but you. But I left, so I left. And I thought, okay, wow, that I guess it wasn't what they wanted right, for whatever right. reason. And then I had another audition this week, just yesterday, where they gave me. It was for two different roles. They gave me a bunch of sides and um, sang my own song. And he kept me for a good 20, 30 minutes, worked oh, on the sides. Oh, Let's do this again. Yeah. This is great. Right. And I sang. He's like, oh, that's wonderful. At the end of the at the end of the audition, he said, What's your lowest note? Which I'm like, why would he ask that if less I was in some way being considered for a callback? Right. I yeah. thought, okay, great. And I left. 
And afterward, I talked to my manager about both auditions. And I said, the good audition was so much harder emotionally Hmm. than the bad audition. The bad audition, I was like, well, they're not interested. And I just moved on. I was disappointed because I liked the show. But I thought, don't know. I could have been too tall for the costumes. Have no control over it. But good audition. Now I'm waiting in my inbox for that email. Ryan, they want to see you again or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's just, and if you don't get it, you're like, what did I not do right? Um, the bad audition, you can, I can justify it saying there's nothing I could have done. There's some, I walked in the room and I probably wasn't right for them. Yeah. Um, where the good one, you're like, ah, I feel like I've gotten so close to so many roles or shows that I wanted to get mm-hmm. and you just don't know. And it, that, that's, to me, that's the hardest part of the business. Yeah, yeah, it, it is interesting, especially those auditions where we know, you know, not in a conceited way, but we know I nailed that. Mm-hmm. I, everything that I needed to do, everything I need to check off the list, I, I, I met and I did it. And you saw it on their faces. Right, right, right. And, and, and they even responded to you. Like, I was at an audition and she was like, that was, that was so engaging. That was, that was wonderful. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, she, she just emoted this wonderful response yeah you to would, my they audition. wouldn't normally do that right and yeah. and so i'm like thank you thank you you know and it's and so and i got the call back and then i was like okay i'm 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 in this i've done the show before i can do it again <laughs> and then it goes to someone else i'm and like you don't know why and i'm like but but that was a great audition like why <laughs> why didn't i book that yeah and so it's 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 like what is the rhyme or reason and and so and, and that gets back to what you were saying about that cannot be my satisfaction because no. if that's what I'm basing my worth off of, oof, I might and, as well. And that at, when I was at school, they did a very good job. Again, it's they they did this on purpose. They said, "Listen, your job is to be a good auditioner. Your yeah. job is not to get the role yeah. because you have no control over that. Your job is to prepare for the audition well. What you wear, what shoes you're putting on, how you speak, how you walk in the room, how your music is prepared, is it marked properly?" Um, how you perform it, of course. And then when you walk out of the room, you decide, did I do my job well today or not? And when you say, I did my job well today, you move on and you don't wait for the phone call. Back then, this was a phone call, not an email. You don't wait for the phone call. You don't wait for the email. Um, And I think had I been doing the business consistently for the last two decades, I think I'd be better at that. Yeah. But I think because I've sort of come and gone quite a bit, I'm still getting back used to the fact that, oh my gosh, I got called back or that was a Broadway director and they seemed to love me. And when are they going to, when are they going to tell me? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I feel like to me, that is the hardest part of the business is not auditioning. It's not knowing Mm -hmm. it's the unknown. You don't get the call saying you did great today. We want you to work on this, this and this, but you know, we're, we're keeping good files on you and we hope to see you again. They just, you don't hear from them. Well, speaking of you being away from the business for a while, you actually created your own business. Hmm. On uh, what did, did it start as a side business, this tech support company, and then it became full-time? Or what was your goals going into it? Well, it was very organic. So I, w- I did a national tour back in 2001. And uh, I came off that tour, and I was interviewing for... Uh, restaurant jobs, waiting tables, um, bartending. And every time I go to a interview, I had this overwhelming feeling that I wasn't supposed to be doing that. At the time, I thought, I think God's telling me, this isn't where I want you to be. And I'm a 
I'm a Christian, and so that wasn't so unusual for me. But it was strange because I thought I like waiting tables. It, I make good money doing it. Meaning it's easy money. It wasn't right. an annoying right. job for me. I thought easy money. Yeah, exactly. So I thought, okay, well, I guess I'm not supposed to be doing this. So I went and got a part-time job at my church, and it was purely to make money. And that part-time job turned into a full-time job. And I have always had this sort of back and forth with the business. And I think it has to do with insecurity and just sort of nerves where if I had a bad, if I have a bad experience, I'd be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take a break from auditioning and come back to it later. Yeah. And I think at the time, I, I think I'm being sincere with myself, but there's something else going on. And I don't realize it till years later. So I think this is one of those moments. So I, I got the job at church and it was just a money job. It um, was I had health insurance. I had sort of stability. And it was not in technology, but I was an Apple um, fan, fanatic, I guess, at the time. I, I loved watching the keynotes and playing around with the computers and stuff. I had no background in technology. But the church I was working at was a pretty big church in New York, and they had an IT department, but the IT guys only know PCs. They didn't know Macs. Yeah. We had one girl uh, that had, woman, excuse me, that had a Mac. And they would always come to me and say, Ryan, can you go help Becky with her Mac? And I would say, yes, are you kidding? I love it. And I always noticed how much I was excited when they asked me that. Hmm. Um, so I'd go help her. We'd figure it out. Sometimes I, sometimes I knew the answer. Sometimes I didn't. Other people heard about this and they said, oh, I have a Mac at home. How do I do this? Or this isn't working. I said, oh, great. I can help you with that. And I remember sitting at my desk one day thinking, maybe I could do this as my money job to support my acting even though I hadn't been auditioning for a little while. And soon after that, I had, quote unquote, 40 hours a week of clients that would hire me to come to their home and help them with their technology. It could be, I have a BlackBerry and I want to synchronize my contacts with my Mac, or I want to set up a wireless network. And this is 2004, so those things were not as common as they are today. Right, yeah. Yeah, we, we, the general public, were still getting used to those gadgets. Yeah, we yeah. and we all had one computer at that time. Yeah, having us, we had just a flip phone, maybe or or a candy bar phone, but we didn't have <laughs> iPhones yeah. and yeah. tablets. They were dumb phones. Yeah. yeah, so it was it was easy for me because I understood the language of technology, even though I didn't have a background in it. Um, and actually, because I didn't speak geek, I say that endearingly because I'm a geek, <laughs> but I didn't speak that language. I could relate to our clients better because yeah. they didn't speak the language either. And the minute I would slip into any sort of jargon, their eyes would gloss over. So I learned, oh, they actually like that I don't talk about gigahertz and you know bits and all these types of things. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that became very that became my money job. I left the church job. This became my job. I made enough money to survive. And every year I would say, oh, this is the year I'm going to get back to auditioning. But now I was running a business and people were flying me all over the world. <laughs> I have very um, successful or wealthy or famous clients. I somehow just got into this niche um, clientele. And it's probably our, our biggest client at that time. Uh, her name is Lynn Foote. And she's amazing if she's listening to this. Uh, <laughs> she gave my name out to everyone she knew because she does that. She finds something she likes. She's like, I'm going to give you out to everyone I know. And she would gift me my services to her friends wow. and then they would become clients. So anyway, that became a money job, but every year I'd say, Oh, I'm going to get back to auditioning next year. And I didn't realize inside I was fighting insecurity every year. I was like, I'm not, I'm, I've passed it. I'm not good enough to go back to mm. it or I've missed my opportunity. 
I had no idea that was going on. I thought I was like, no, I really got to get, get the business to a, a stable place. And it wasn't until I was about to hit a very particular age. Um, and I said, I can't be that age and have <laughs> keep saying that phrase. Right. It's keep like, saying, I need to finally follow yeah. through on this. And so I was friend. I was friends outside of the business with a casting director. Um, I didn't even know her casting company existed. I knew her from, we were both Michigan fans. Um, now, now you're speaking of Telsey casting, yeah, yeah. which is the, the biggest with, casting company in When I auditioned, it was Johnson Liff. So this is my friend Rachel, and, and we would go to Michigan football games, and, and I just thought she's my, my Michigan buddy. And um, she and I went to a, we went to see Evita actually on Broadway, Mm-hmm. And afterwards, I, we talked about it, and I sort of said, "Hey, I'm I'm thinking about trying to get back into the business. Do you have any recommendations?" She gave me a couple names of coaches. I said, "Great, thank you." And um, I didn't really do anything with it because I had this very hot and cold meter of excited, not excited, and oh, I have this other thing that keeps my keeps me busy, which is my business. Because that satisfaction we were talking about, did you find that in this tech company that you had built? Well, that's a that's a good question. I love my company. I, what I found was I have this other thing I love to do. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't actually a money job, like the church job was, uh, or like waiting tables. It was oh my gosh, I'm passionate about this. Yeah. So I also love performing and I love singing in particular, and so I I said, gosh, I'm so fortunate to have two things that I'm passionate about. There's so many people that don't have one, or they're they're doing something because it's what they do, but they don't love it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Their heart's not in it. Yeah. So. That was that was a uh, a interesting dilemma because I wasn't eager to get away from the business. I wanted to keep growing it and keep helping people. When I got a call for help, I'm like, yes. And we, you know, at that point, we had hired technicians and we had an office, and it was sort of a, a thing. But I knew that I have to get back. Every time I saw a show or every time I heard someone sing, I I had this ache in my heart that said, "You're not doing what you're supposed to do." And I believe God was saying, I built you to be performing and to be singing. You can do this other thing too, and that's great, but you need to be doing this or yeah. you're wasting something. So uh, I you know, asked Rachel her, her advice. She said, you know, here's some coaches. And I just sort of, okay, I'll do it. And I never got to it. And it was a couple months later that year, this is 2013, that I got a phone call. I'm sure I've told you this story. Um, and I answered, I said, hello. I probably said, hello, this is Ryan Baylor Support, which is the name of my company. And they, this is the, the call went like this. Hi, Ryan, this is, uh, this is so-and-so from Telsey Casting. We'd like to see you tomorrow for the Broadway tour of Evita. We want you to come in for the understudy for Pro. We want you to prepare these four songs. And I, my response was literally, I'm sorry, who is this? <laughs> Wait, who, what? And... And I think his name was Conrad. I can go back and look because I have an email from him. Yeah. And he repeated it, and I and it clicked. And I was like, Oh, oh. Um, yes, of course. I was and I was very cool at this point. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> he was and he said, I need to see you tomorrow. I want you to lean these four songs. <laughs> Don't you love that? I looked like, at my tomorrow. I looked at my watch, and it was literally I had twenty four hours from the phone call until oh, me being gosh. in the audition room. Oh my gosh. I said, No problem. Um, and I skipped part of the story. A couple months earlier, Rachel had said, send me your headshot and resume. Oh, right. Yeah. And I said, I don't have a headshot. <laughs> like, yeah. 
And I said, I, I need to find my resume. And she said, just take a picture of yourself. <laughs> so I had my good friend Eric Grundy take a picture of me. To this day, these are the worst pictures that have been taken of any <laughs> actor. I still we have them. We all have them. those crappy headshots. No, no, no. No, no, no. I look like I'm a mob boss or a mob boss wannabe. I'm not even yeah. a mob boss. I'm like it. the guy that wants to be them. It's so bad. All right, but, for those for those of you listening, this picture will be posted on the website. <laughs> so check so check out gosh, the website you know? for this episode, and you'll so see. So I picture. sent in this picture and res- I emailed them to her, and I didn't think anything of it. This is months before I got the call, and apparently she wasn't casting for Evita. She handed it off to her friend Craig, who was casting because they were looking for an understudy for Peron. So that's when I got the call a couple months later, and I was just like, you know oh yes sure i'll be there no problem i get off the phone i immediately call my friend um jeff i say what do i do (laughs) um and then i call the office i say i'm not available for the next 24 hours my office i'm not available for the next 24 hours don't bother me i call my voice teacher who i just gotten back in touch with and it's a new voice teacher i just got in touch with months earlier i said are you available in the next 24 hours it doesn't matter what time it is (laughs) So the audition is Friday at noon. He says, I'm available Friday at 11 in the, in, in the morning. I'm like, yeah. I'll take it. I'll right. take half an hour. Right. And he says, okay. So I get the music. And now I've done the role before, but a decade earlier. Yeah. Longer than a decade earlier. <laughs> so it's uh, like you kind of remembered, but yeah, in no and, way. Yeah. And then I look at the songs and Perone's songs are dissonant and... What, and, what, and, funky and also and, they're not really songs they just kind of come out of yeah. conversation and then you're back into it's not lyrical or mm-hmm. it's 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 not something you just learn on the fly and so i'm like oh, i'm just cramming all night learning it and so it's like june or something so anyway the next day comes for reference i had auditioned in late february and i found out in like mid-march oh, wow. that, that, that i was going to be in Avita. oh wow so so that's whenever that, that's yeah, whenever i learned I found later out. that at the time i was the last person being cast yeah um um so anyway so the next day comes i i'm auditioning for the president of argentina so i've got to wear a suit i put a suit on it's june in new york so it's like <laughs> 95 degrees uh, and yeah. humid yeah so i go to the uh, voice lesson um I sing. His name is Phil Hall. He's amazing. If anyone I, ever I'm taken wants a from good Phil. Voice, he's great. Yeah, yeah, you know Phil. He's absolutely amazing. Um, and he was amazing not just because of his coaching talents, but because he told me, you sound great. And that's the only thing I needed to hear yeah. because I wasn't going to make any changes. <laughs> I right, was right, so right. nervous. It's not like in one lesson you're going to yeah. change. Uh, and He was like, you're great. You're going to be fantastic. And that's that. he knew, I'm assuming he knew that's what I needed to hear mm-hmm. in that moment. So then I have a half an hour, and I and I don't have anything printed out. I don't have um, a, a headshot printed out. I don't have a resume. <laughs> I haven't done this in so long. Oh, goodness. So I run to Kinko's, which is right across the street from the audition. And I say to the girl behind the counter, I say, I need you to come print some things for me. She goes, oh, she points to the computer. She goes, go over there. I go, no, no, no. I need you to come out behind the <laughs> counter, and I need you to help me. I need you to do it now. And yeah. she could see that I'm not like... I'm not being angry or mean. It's like you're, you're desperate. I'm like, need help. She's like, I understand. And so she comes out, helps me print up the pic, my picture, helps me print out the resume, cuts it down to that ridiculous 8 by 10 8 size. 8 by 10 Don't get me started on that. Right. Um, and then I staple it. And I staple it the wrong way. 
Because <laughs> I remember it's, at Michigan, they taught us you got to staple it so that the flat of the staple is on the picture side and the, you know, the, uh, the other side. Just, they're so they're so de- so detailed when we when they. And as I did, I, was I like, mean, oh, I don't I know if that, that really matters. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know if that really matters. Agreed. But... Agreed. But it sort of gives you an insight into the level of detail. Uh, of detail like, that know. they'd go. Yeah. I think it was more be pro, be um, be specific about the choices you make. Right. Right. And be consistent. So, yeah. So I go in and I get to the audition. I, now, I haven't been in this building ever. Um, I'm sort of like looking around and I see other guys that are in suits and are tall and have dark hair. And I'm like, okay, those are guys that are coming in for Perone. And there's like three of them, and there's, I think, one or two Che's, meaning guys that are clearly auditioning for Che. One of them is Nick Belton, who's awesome. Oh, right, yeah. Um, Who I I had on the the podcast earlier. Yes, yes. I didn't know it was Nick Belton at the time, but so I'm, you know, I'm sweating through everything, like soaked. So I go into the bathroom, I take off my... um, my jacket, my suit jacket. I take off my button-down shirt. I take off the undershirt, <laughs> oh, and I get the blow soaked. dryer, the the oh hand blow dryer, and I start drying the undershirt. And I literally look up to God. And I'm like, "What am I doing here?" And Why how much of I this here? was the heat sweat, and how much is this just you, Ryan, sweating for the moment? I mean, it was probably both. It was hot. Yeah, but, but yeah, I think I don't. I don't sweat. I don't get nervous and sweat like mm-hmm. that. So I think it was mostly the heat. But I was nervous. Yeah, I'm, I was I'm sure scared. inside. Yeah, yeah, it was it was scared almost. Because at this point, how many years had it been since you'd even auditioned? I had done a show in 2007, but I was just asked to do the show. Right. So I, w- I hadn't auditioned in at least a, 2013, a decade. Wow. I mean, yeah, I would say at least a that decade. That would freak me out. Yeah, maybe yeah. longer, maybe 11 years. Yeah. And so... I'm in there drying this thing, and I'm thinking, I, this is ridiculous. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. I'm not doing this. <laughs> Another guy comes in the bathroom, takes off his jacket, takes off his shirt, takes off his undershirt, and starts drying it under the Same other dryer. Thing. And I'm like, thank you. You're not alone. I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh, my gosh, it's so hot out there. <laughs> so anyway, so I go back. I get dressed. I go back out, and a guy comes out of the audition room. I learned later this was Caesar, who was um, a casting director at um, Chelsea. And he said, are you Ryan? I said, yes. He said, uh, are you ready? I said, yes. And he said, of the four songs, which two do you know the best? And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I said, uh, how about these two? He said, great. We'll just do those two songs. I said, thank you so much. And so we walk in. And it was so interesting. When I walked in the door, it was like my training kicked in. I felt I went from nervous and scared to confident and I say very, I say firmly a hello to everyone behind the desk. I say hello to the accompanist. I put my music down and I wait for instruction. And I suddenly wasn't nervous. They said, hello, Ryan. Um, Kristen Blodgett, who I didn't know who that was at the time, but she's looking at my resume. She goes, oh, I see you've done it before. I didn't say, yeah, literally another century. <laughs> I, said, uh, yeah. I said, yes, I've done it a couple times because I had actually done it twice before. And... Um, she said, that's great, Ryan. Well, why don't we sing the songs? And I sang the songs, and they had me sing one of them twice. And they were like, Ryan, that was really great. Thank you for coming in. And I left. And the, the difference between me walking before I went in and coming out it was like two different people. Yeah. I felt more confident than I probably have ever in my life. I felt like I can do anything. Huh. Because I walked out of the room thinking, I did my job. 
Yeah. I, I nailed it. You, you, you went in there, did what you needed to do. Yeah. Never in a million years I think I was going to get the job, but I thought I did what I, I could do. And I, in fact, I saw in the elevator there was an audition for Les Mis across the street. So I went across the street to Les Mis and tried to crash into that audition, <laughs> which Ryan Baylor would never do, ever. <laughs> yeah. uh, they didn't let me in. Anyway, that is sort of how I got back into um, the business. And, and from then, I decided I'm going to try and do both, run my company and do the business. And that's a whole other story as to how that's been going. <laughs> So now that you're back in the business, what is it that what is it that holds you back? Why why will you never make it? Well, I think for me, it's definitely me. Um, meaning, I don't think it's a casting director, or I don't think it's. I hope it's not lack of talent. Um, it's to me, my struggle is always with confidence. Um, can I do this? Can I compete? Um, it's interesting when I go see a show on Broadway or anywhere, I'm, I'm almost always like, oh, I can do this. I can, I can, I'm that good or I yeah. whatever. But when you're home alone and you're singing a song or doing a side, it's very, for me, it's very easy to sort of let these voices in your head kind of say, eh, you know, maybe you're just, maybe you're just average. You no, know? I've, I've been there as well myself. Like, like in, in the morning, like. The alarm goes off, and and I have that you know that audition that day, that EPA that I was going to, and 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 then I, I kind of check the the breakdown again. I'm like, I mean, they're they're, they're not going to cast me in this. Like <laughs> like like why why am I going in? It's like it's like obviously they they want someone who's done this role before because it's only like a one week rehearsal period. Yeah, and so yeah. I'm like, I, why am I going in for this? I you start creating but, these right. Reasons I, I start talking myself no, out of it. Yeah, you have no reason to believe these things are true you're just you're talking yourself out of it that's the best way of saying it yeah so yeah for me that's it it's if, if i could get over that um i would audition all the time and probably probably do like with the avita audition or subsequent ones where i walk in i do my thing i walk out i'm like great had a great day what's next um but it's i have a great manager great manager her name's laura pitrapinto and she um is very encouraging. She's very understanding of my nuances and uh, quirks, I guess. Um, as, as a person? <laughs> I don't know about, I, that. I don't know about yeah, as a person. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone understands no, those. No, no, we're yeah. still trying. I'm still figuring that out myself. But <laughs> no, as an actor, and, and you know, she's good at sort of gently pushing me. But um, to me, that was that was very helpful to find someone that can be your champion, but also can push you. And that can be your fan. Um, I think it's, this is such a unique business in that I don't think in any other business are you constantly having to do a job interview mm. and constantly have to prove I'm good enough and know that you are good enough, but that you might just be have the wrong hair color. I mean, and, and never know that, you know? Yeah, so having crazy. someone yeah. say, you, I had a, a, a taping today for a self-tape and I sent it to my manager and she was like, oh, you look great on, on film. You look great. You know, you have a great look. I saw it and was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, what I, I mean, what is this? We're so self-critical. Yeah. It, it, right before you came over, I was doing, I was looking at some, some headshots because I'm getting some, some new ones or, or I'm 
because I'm about to run out of headshots, so I need to order mm-hmm. more. And I was doing some editing of a headshot, and all I could see were the imperfections. I was like, oh, I need to change that. Oh, why, why is it so red there and white there? Why, like, why? You know, and I was like going, I was trying to adjust all these things. But yeah, we are so nitpicky when it comes to ourselves. And then we show it to someone else and like, oh, this is great. Oh that's God. wonderful. Yeah, and I, I was encouraged. Many years ago, I heard so, stories, I don't know if they're true, but about wonderful actors like gene hackman and and others that sometimes you hear that though they're very introverted they're very shy they don't ever watch themselves in a movie because of this because Mm -hmm. they're like i don't like this and i look at a gene hackman movie and i'm like this guy's genius he's just every you know i I never think it's gene hackman i always think it's the character which to me is is um how i sort of judge acting um but hearing other people that i know are very um, talented and are very successful that they have the same struggles internal struggles or insecurities is one of the things that keeps me going mm. uh, to yeah. say okay and i think that's and i think that's probably true and again a lot of businesses feeling like we're alone in whatever it is is a is a really dangerous place to be knowing that there are others that are sharing in whatever it is i think is a it's almost a human need um, in order to keep going. And so to go back to your original question, what um, what was what what is going to make me fail? or yeah, the, Why I'll Never Make why It, I'll never make the, it. Yeah, the name right. of the podcast. Yeah. Oh, well, that's oh, that's this podcast? You're right. That's I was supposed one. to be in the other room. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Thank oh, you. Gosh. Next. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, Why I'll Never Make It. I think it's, um, I think it's almost always ourselves. I just, I think if we, and I don't generally talk about other people, um, but I think if we think it's someone else, I just don't see how we can almost ever know that. And so we're all, it's always a battle with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I try not to look at the business as a competition. Like you and I are very similar types, but I I don't ever think of competing with you. Right. Um, Because we've been brought in for some of the same roles. I just think I have to do what I do and if they like it great if not that's I have no control over that but right. I do think that why I'll never make it has to do with Ryan if Ryan keeps moving forward and keeps doing what I do and what I'm trained to do I will be satisfied um, with that yeah <laughs> um, if not you know the, the voices can be troublesome and I have so many friends that don't do the business anymore and I think it's just they got worn out and um I hope I don't get worn out, but well, yeah, and we'll and and my why I'll never make it kind of kind of goes goes to that fact, and that a lot of people like yourself, they they had a job, you know, they had a um, uh, they they booked a show, and then they were looking for the next show, and in the meantime, they got a job waiting tables or doing something else, or you started your own company, and that kind of drifts them off in in another direction. Yeah, and and for me, why I'll never make it is that. I haven't really, I, I don't have that like second income. I, I kind of just rely on acting, which which I've been very grateful and blessed for. But, you know, it's it's not always the moneymaker, as, as we both know. And without that kind of, I guess, safety net, without that cushion, that financial cushion, then this, this business can be very, very taxing and very nerve wracking. Because it's yeah. like, okay, I need a job now. And then that affects you going into the room. 
of, of like, I need this. Like, pl- please hire me. Like, pl- I, I can sing. Look, I can do. And, and, and that can like get into your head and get into your performance of when you're auditioning. And so not having that financial stability at all times uh, is definitely a, a negative force that, you know, affects me personally, you know, just yeah, when, sure. I'm, when I'm home and I'm trying to figure out, all right, groceries, this and that, what, what do I need to buy, rent? Um, but it also affects, I think, my performance and like, when am I going to get the next job? Yeah. It's, and it's interesting because I have a lot of people say to me, oh, you were so smart to, to start your own business, whatever. And my first response is, well, this was not a plan. <laughs> yeah. I really sort of just, just fell happened. into this. Yeah. yeah. And it really was one of those organic things that suddenly I was doing it. It wasn't some master plan. But I usually say, you're right. I, I have something that maybe you don't have. I have stability, financial stability. I have very good client base and um there's no sign of that slowing down you know um, knock on wood but um what i don't have is that drive that says i have to get a job mm. and there's a there's a difference um for me i don't have to do the audition um i don't have to go out every three times a week or five times a week i can go once a month Huh. And there's no pressure for me to get the job. And a lot of people would say, that's great. <laughs> but I'm like, you're right. There is one aspect of this great, but there's other aspects that I see other actors that they audition all the time. And I think part of that is like, I got to get a job and I don't want to wait tables. Right. I want to do what I do. And so that's another why I'll never make it is that's why I say when it's, it's me. It's battling these other things that are good things sometimes, but they're distractions. And it's very hard. I think it's very hard to do two things really well. Um, I think I do my business really well. And I'm trying. You know, the last show I did, I thought I did it really well. But it's like doing the business is different than just doing a single show. Right, right. So that's where I see other people. You know, you're tweaking your headshots. You're you're getting new headshots when you need to get new headshots. You're doing all these things. I'm not. And I need to be if I want to be competing in the same you know, arena with the people I want to compete with, even though I just said I don't compete. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's friendly a, competition. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice <clears throat> round of putt-putt golf. What is it that that's kind of keeping you going, keeping you motivated as you, as you say, you're trying to raise your performing business up to the level that your tech support business has been? Uh, yeah, that's, it's so funny. You just asked that. I was just speaking to my manager yesterday after the, um, frozen audition, um, that this last show I did, which was also Avita, because Avita apparently is the only thing people want to cast me in. Avita. Uh, which is it's, fine. I love Avita. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, I've done Man of La Mancha four times. I could do that's it awesome. fifth and sixth times. So, you know. Um, but it was such a good experience. It was such a good theater. Um, it was very, we were very well taken care of. The cast was wonderful, but the performance was so good. And, and doing a role, um, you know, when we did the tour, I was understudying a role and you were understudying a role. Right. And it was great to be in the ensemble, but you really had to find ways to motivate yourself once you got many months into the show and mm-hmm. keep yourself interested. Whereas with doing this role, I didn't. I mean, it was just, it was, um, very satisfying to come back to a word we used earlier very satisfying um because i like the role because the the evita i was working opposite was just 
spectacular actress and and the whole ensemble was great that i told my manager on the phone yesterday i said that show triggered something in me and i think i need that trigger often i need you know i have that trigger and then i have however many months of excitement and let's go do it and then if something distracts me i can i can be distracted for a while <laughs> right um so yeah so for me mm -hmm. it's it's working you know i think the more i work and it doesn't have to necessarily be a show it could be i'm singing at someone's wedding or it could be i'm doing an event i sang at a book you know signing one time um working in the business to me there's an aspect of satisfaction to that that keeps me want to working in the business yeah um, and it's not even working in the business, sometimes just working at the business. Like, yeah. like for example, a year ago, I was kind of in, in, in a place of, I guess, disillusionment was, is the best way to describe it. I was just like, why am I doing this? What, like, I, I just kind of lost any passion for mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. And, and I was in a place of real searching of what, why, why am I, what am I doing here? Yeah. And so, and so I took some classes with Jen Waldman Studios and just the being in the class environment and it was an audition class and working on song, you know, she, she was saying, bring in some songs and she was giving us different criteria of the kind of songs we wanted to bring in this and that. And, and one of the songs I wanted to bring in was stars from Les Mis. Mm, yeah. And it's a role that it's on my bucket list, but I've never actually gotten to do it. But using some of the, uh, the, the techniques, some of the questions that she had and applying that to the song kind of gave it a new life. I was thinking about it differently and just the working on that song and being able to then present it in class and mm -hmm. get feedback, just that in of itself was, was a spark that, that I'd kind of been missing just, just an enjoyment of what it is that I doing. And, and it reminded me of why I want to do this and why I keep, keep doing it. That's yeah, that's great. That I agree. Um, so it can be any sort of, it's almost like anything where you're using your, your talent, um, to either grow that talent or to use it to perform. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it can be a spark. Um, for me, I, I think I mentioned this to you about a year and a half ago. I lost my voice. Yeah. Like, in the moment, it was literally, I could not speak. I couldn't make any vocal sounds. Um, and so for about a, a little over a year, even into this last Avita, I was not myself vocally mm. to the point where I couldn't sing the way I used to sing. And there was something wrong. It wasn't just like, oh, you're getting older, so you have to adjust. It was like something was wrong with my voice. And it wasn't until the last couple months where I started to get better and it was, it was toward the end of the run of Evita, where suddenly I could sing a certain note that I couldn't sing before, that I had to fake. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can sing that note again. And it wasn't a particularly difficult note. It wasn't like a G. Yeah. But it was actually, last week, I was warming up for an audition, and I was singing in the shower. And I was singing a song that I always sing, and I nailed the note. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hit the note <laughs> yeah. and like nailed it in like the your money note type of way that I hadn't done in it over a year. Hmm. And then I went in into an audition and I sang it and they were like, Ryan, that was great, you know, wonderful. And I thought, oh my gosh, okay, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm back in terms of what is back for, for me, but um, it really was encouraging to feel like I'm not 
working in a in a hindered way, you know, yeah. or, or you know, with a crutch. Um, it felt like okay, now I can use this to continue to get you know continue to get better, continue to work on my voice, figure out why did that happen, how do I prevent it again, and go go get the work. Um, but it's that's I think that's sort of that's sort of somewhat unique outside of maybe athletes. That's somewhat unique to our field in that if you're a an accountant, you're not going to wake up one day and you can't count, right? Right, right. If you lose your voice, or even if you break your leg, you can still crunch numbers. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So this was this was one of the many hurdles I think that we go through. Another one is just getting older. Suddenly you're like, oh, I'm not being considered for that role anymore. And they don't teach you that in school. They don't say, by the way, yeah, you're yeah. not going to always be able to do. You're not going to always Bigelow. be 21 years old. <laughs> Eventually, you'll be 35, and you're not the son anymore. Now you're the dad. You're the, you're the young dad. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh... Anyway, that was that was encouraging to me. Like you said, going to this class was encouraging to you. And I think it's, you're, you're regularly looking for those moments of encouragement and they can be from a loved one. You know, mm-hmm. someone saying, I love you. I love your singing or, or, or you were great or whatever. I don't think people, I don't think people who are, especially aren't in the business don't, I don't think they realize how powerful um, their encouragement is. Uh, I mean, even if we don't show it, they don't realize, oh, I'll never forget you said that. Or because that's going to get me through the next year. Exactly. Because I firmly believe that every actor has has a some more fragile than others, but we all have a fragile ego. And mm-hmm. and, and it, it, it can be it can be patted on the back and encouraged and we feel like top of the mountain or it can just be like a thank you. <laughs> and we're like bottom of the barrel. It's just like like you know, so we can go to those great extremes on on words, yeah. on on encouragement or discouragement. Yeah, I, and I had that. I had that with Evita. I was um, so my girlfriend is not in the business, and uh, she had never seen me perform before. And um, she heard me sing. I sent her a recording of me singing, but she'd never seen me perform. And totally not in the business in that she doesn't understand the concept of a stage kiss. Right? So she was sort of like, wait a she's minute, like, wait, what how are you many doing? times do you kiss her? And, and can you, she's like, can you kiss me that way? And tell me what it, how is it different than a normal kiss? It was, it was adorable. Um, but I remember when she came to see it opening night, I was first worried, oh my gosh, is, is, is she going to be stressed out about me kissing this other woman on right, stage? Yeah. And um, is that going to, you know, sour her experience and is it going to affect my performance it was sort of in my head right yeah and it wasn't until the curtain call where i come out for my bow and she leapt out of her chair and just screamed and clapped that i i had an emotional reaction to it and i'm getting Mm. like you know emotional right now it was so beautiful it was so pure yeah it was so such a pure um moment of encouragement and saying, I love you and I'm so proud of you yeah. and you know all that other stuff d- didn't matter. Um, that that keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Meaning that keeps me going. I don't know if she knows that, but that moment, I'll never forget seeing her leap out. She didn't care that other people weren't leaping out of their chairs. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was her showing she love to you. She just didn't Absolutely. care. It was just yeah. her and me in that moment. So anyway, moments, uh, things that people say um, whether you know them, or you don't know them really, really help. And I, I personally try and go up to an actor, 
uh, to your friend at, at Frozen last night. I played Kristoff. I can't remember. Yeah, Jelani. Jelani, yeah. 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 I didn't know Jelani. I was there to see um, my friend Ben and um, and John and John Riddle and, and Robin Masella, all of whom were amazing. Yeah, and John and Robin, we both know from the Avita yeah, tour that we did together. Yeah, they were all in Frozen last night. But I really wanted to say to Jelani... Mm-hmm. Um, they did a good job because I thought he did. And so when we were leaving, we went backstage uh, afterwards. And I just was like, uh, Tatiana was like, we really should go. And I was like, yeah, I just want to say congratulations to this guy. And I don't know if he remembers it or mean anything to him, but I just thought I want to make sure he knows you, you did a great job. He doesn't know who I am from Adam, but um, I know when people have done that to me, it really is one of those things that it helps. Yeah. Um, it helps deal with those, like you said, those insecurities or um, I think you call it fragile. <laughs> yeah. The fragile, fragileness of this. Fragileness yeah. of it, whatever. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a, such a unique business. I think that's not, you know, I don't think the accountant necessarily needs the, <laughs> I don't need to pick on accountants. I love accountants, yeah. <laughs> but they don't necessarily need the pat in the back. Right. All the time. The numbers match up. The numbers match up. Hopefully their boss is a They've nice boss job. and say you're right. doing a great job. But <laughs> maybe it's not not quite the same. Yeah. And and my why I'm still here and, and why I keep going is is kind of a similar to that. It's 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 the people. It's yes, there there's people around us like 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 your girlfriend or friends and family of ours that that encourage and support us. But it's also the people that we meet in this business. And you are a classic example of this. Like you and I met doing a Vita tour and we had a great time. And then years later, four <laughs> months ago, you you were my best man at the wedding. I was. And, and so was. it's it's like those kind of friendships, those those people that become part of your inner circle and become people that you love, you respect, you you, you cherish their friendship, and you also look to them for like, like for support, for guidance, for, you know, whenever you're in those down moments. And so, you know, people like you in my life and meeting you, uh, you know, along the, the journey that, that I've been here in New York is, is I, think, I think that's one of the best reasons to be in this business. Yes, I, I, we, as you, to pick on accountants, we, th- <laughs> I'm sure they meet wonderful people and have great friends. But I think there's, there's something to be said for meeting people and a week into it, you're like best friends. And that's what happens in the theater. There's something about the camaraderie and us just kind of sharing our talents, sharing ourselves on stage that then opens us up to accepting more people into our lives in a deeper and somewhat richer way than I think that we would just out, out in public. And, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful feeling to have that sense of community. Yeah, I have a few shows that I've done where I just these are like brothers or sisters for life. And you know, I have I did a I did a Vita, not surprisingly, <laughs> back in 1998 or something or 90, I think it was 99 at um uh, Marriott Lincolnshire in Chicago and um I made friends with a, a woman named Kathy Callahan and we had this thing where we would do blow darts. A lot of people in theater know what blow darts. Yeah. You do a blow dart across the across the stage, and someone pretends like they're getting a blow dart in their neck, and they fall down. Yeah, and it's I, a very professional to do that during during oh, a scene. Oh, it's it's a it's a acting technique. You do that yes. to learn yeah, how to do improv. It's yes it's very, for improv. It's very and, serious and work. acting training. Yeah, yes. there's not it's not a laughing matter. No, no, no. There's nothing. But there. anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> I did. I lost touch with Kathy after you know that show, and 
20 years, is it 20 years? Not quite 20, maybe 15 years later, she's in New York. She's done a Broadway show. She's, she's, she's um, successful. I somehow connect her one of my clients, one of my, com- my computer clients. And I said to my client, I hadn't talked to Kathy. I said to my client, um, tell Kathy I'm sending her a blow dart. This was my first connection with Kathy in like 15 yeah. years. And I'm pretty sure Kathy sent me a video of her just falling down. Falling down. <laughs> but it was because it was such a powerful experience. Yeah. Like you, you, you just become family so quickly that you never forget these people or the things that connected you or the, you know, the funny, you know, moments or whatever. But, um, I have that, I have probably a dozen stories of that with other, you know, my, my friends from shows, but yeah, you're, being your best man in the wedding was was certainly top top of the list. Well, it, it was certainly an honor for me to have you there. I mean, it wouldn't have been the same wedding without me. Probably. No, 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 not at all. I mean, Dylan really didn't need to be there as long as I had my best man. I mean, Dylan looked good. I mean, he was he fine. Good. It was, it was fine. a good place place you know, putting in there. Someone <laughs> tall. You need someone tall because we don't have any tall people. Yeah, yeah, they're rarely. Yeah, there weren't many tall people. No, we're six no. three. And it's yeah, sort of average yeah. height. Anyway. Yeah, the efficient. She's five two, so yeah, <laughs> we I needed mean, some height. That was the contrast. <laughs> now, we need a five two person, so right. why don't you do it? Yeah. yeah, got it. So before we sign off, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Huh? Are you ready? Oh, okay. Are you ready? You want me to sing? Yeah. <laughs> no, please. Healing. Please, no. no, no. Please. That's not the word. Is it feelings? <laughs> People. Sorry. Did you say healing? feelings? <laughs> is there a song feelings? Yeah, there is a song is called feelings? feelings. But it's not it? No, but that's not it. Oh, it's a People. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Next. Okay, got yeah. it. So you're not going to have me sing. Got yeah. it. Good to know. No, no singing. No, what I was going to ask you was, since you have a, a tech support company, and that's what you do. Um, what what's like the, the the most often asked question or or the biggest problem that you that people run into? You know, because as MacBooks are becoming more the the staple, certainly among performers, I, I I hardly know anyone in the theater world that I that I'm in that has a PC. So yeah. mo- mostly MacBooks are there. So like I'm sure we all run into problems. What are those number one or two problems that people run into that that you have to fix? I'll give you a few answers to that. The number, about 10 years ago, the number one thing that we would impart on our clients would be backups. We'd say you got to have a backup, yeah. right? You got to have an external hard drive that backs up your computer and maybe even a, I don't even know back then if there was a cloud service, but hmm. um, we wanted people to have their data in three places. And so that was the original computer was the original place. Um, and then you have an external hard drive. That's your first backup. And then you have a backup that is remote in some way. And decades ago, um, you would have a hard drive and you would take it to the office. And that's to protect you against fire or theft. Right? Mm. If you have your computer and your, la- and your hard drive in a bag and you lose the bag, the backup doesn't do no good. Yeah. Nowadays, we have the cloud. So anyway, that was 10 years ago. Nowadays, it's passwords. You got to have good passwords because we all now have about a hundred sites that we log into at least accounts, you know, that we log into and we, most of us have bad passwords or we're using the same password over and over or some small variation and the hackers have figured it out and they are, they're hacking these big companies now, Facebook, 
um, Sony, Instagram, these companies are getting hacked. And so right now we're really, really pushing on people. You gotta have good passwords and we can help you do that in an easy way with a password manager. It is, it is genuinely easy to do, but it is, it is very scary for people because knowing the password is, mm-hmm. a, is, a, is a level of comfort. They know what it is. And I say, that's fine, but the hacker knows what it is too. <laughs> Especially whenever you've used it for the last 50 websites. Yeah, and you so have any- now the hackers are actually sending people, the cur- there's a current scam going around where people will get an email from a hacker that says, hi, my name is so-and-so. And by the way, your password for this account is, um, I like pizza. And that's actually the password. And they're like, um, we're going to reveal the fact that you've been looking at pornographic images over the last, you know, whatever, oh to goodness. the whole world, unless you send me $5,000 or whatever. It's a real email. It's wow. real ransom, but they're not actually going to do anything. And the whole pornographic thing is fake. They're just trying yeah. to scare you. Um, I've got a half a dozen clients say, I got this email. Is it real? The, what I tell people is you can ignore the email. They're not going to do anything. Um, but you don't ignore the fact that they know your they password. They know your password. Because it was such an easy password. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, passwords are big. But getting, convincing people that they need to have better passwords, like long, ridiculously complicated passwords. Yeah, yeah, gibberish that means nothing. Yep. And therefore, you have to have a password manager <sighs> to manage that. You, you, you've talked to me about this. And I, and I actually have one, but it's only on my computer. But, you know, I don't have it synced up between my computer and my my iPhone. And so I'm like, well, wait, if I'm not on my computer, then this password manager does me no good. because well, that do I... gets to what your original question was, right. which is what is the number one request we get? And the number one request we get, and this has been for a while, is my stuff isn't synchronizing. Mm. Could be your calendars, your contacts, your email, your documents now, or your passwords. It's not the same on all of my devices. Right. Um, often that's because people have a Gmail account, a Yahoo account, an AOL account, and an iCloud account. They've got some contacts in their Yahoo account, somewhere in their Gmail account, some are AOL account. They don't know that because on their phone, it just shows all the accounts and all the contacts. Right. On their computer, they only have their Gmail account set up. And so it's only showing their Gmail contacts. And like, why isn't it synchronizing? So a lot of it is just lack of understanding of how it works. Um, what we've seen over the last few years is that technology now is everywhere. It's in our refrigerators. It's on our wrists. Yeah. It's not only, we don't just have a computer. We have a laptop. We have a desktop. We have a phone. We have a tablet. We've got a watch. We've got a Fitbit. We've got it's, it all. It's, it's all, even in our computer, cars. Like, in like our car. Our cars weren't run without everywhere. computers. Yeah. And so having your data consistent across all of those things is what we find people struggle with the most mm-hmm. and what they want us to help them the most. And, yeah. and we tell them, we will come get it all working smoothly for you and it'll all be the same everywhere. And if they let us, we'll teach them how to do it. But that they don't often want that. They just want <laughs> come fix it and then go away. Right. Because, because all we see is that password that's like, 13 different letters with a dash and a hyphen and and an at sign and then it goes into like some exclamation point and another string and we're like how am i how am i supposed to remember that like yeah. and right. we and we tell people the the hurdle for you is embracing the idea that you don't have to remember it i don't have you to only remember. have to remember one password <laughs> there's actually a program out there called one password that's the name of the program it's yeah. a password manager it's a great name because the concept is just remember the password that gets you into your passwords. Yeah. 
Um, and my next, I get the exact same question every time I talk to people about a password manager. Without fail, okay, I get the same question. Is their first question, what if the password manager gets hacked? I always get that question. Yeah. I say, I say I can answer that question, but it's the wrong question. I said the right question is, is this more secure than what you had before? And the answer to that is yes. Is the password manager more secure than having the same password for 50 accounts? And having those all written down in a Word document <laughs> or in right. a piece of paper right. or in your yeah. contacts, yeah. which most people have. And I say, the question is, is this better than what you have? And the answer to that is yes. Can it get hacked? Technically, everything can get hacked. Yeah, say, if it's connected. I say, but this is a tough one to hack because these passwords are all encrypted and they would have to get the encryption key. And so it is it is technical difficulty to hack this. It's not like hacking your bank account where once they're in, they can just send themselves money. Right. But anyway, that um, passwords and having everything synchronized and on what you're just saying, you have your password manager on your computer, but it's not on your phone or other devices. That's something we help people with. Yeah. Getting it everywhere and so that it works in an easy way so that we find that once people use this, they're like, oh, wow. Then they like love it. Yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, I love Dashlane, which is the program we like, or 1Password or iCloud Keychain or whatever it is they use. But partly because a lot of our clients are older, this is not a language they grew up with, meaning computers. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it is just repetition, getting them to trust it or, or really getting them to trust us and us making sure it works right. Um, but getting it set up right is is what everyone wants. I want you to get it working for me. Yeah. And then the learning comes as they live. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a. I think that's a, a a good a good quote for life in general. The learning comes as you live. The learning Sometimes. comes as you live. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been a joy to to get, you know, th there, there are actually some things that I didn't know about you. So see, it's, you're always learning as you live. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And when are we going to have waffles? Enough with the waffles. Wow. Okay. I always promise waffles. <laughs> To find out more about Ryan Baylor, you can go to the website winmepodcast.com. That's W-I-N-M-I podcast.com. There you'll find ways to connect with him on social media, as well as a link to his tech support company in case you have any of those technological questions. And you can also follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at winmepodcast. One such follower on Twitter, Enid Ayala, I apologize if I've mispronounced the name, but she responded, I just recently discovered your podcast and I love it. Thank you for bringing us such insight on our craft and in so many different ways. Also letting us know we are most definitely not alone. Well, Enid, this is really the biggest reason why I do the podcast is to, to share that you know, we're not all making it or we're making it in different ways and there's setbacks and there's successes along the way. And it's kind of a, a tug of war a lot of times when it comes to this business. And all of us are going through our own different struggles as well as triumphs. So I think it's great that we can share that here on the podcast. And I'm glad that you're getting so much out of it. 
So if you're getting a lot out of it, then please share it along to people who you think could benefit from the podcast. Join me next week when I talk to Heather Botts, who is with the Broadway production of My Fair Lady. She'll talk about being a swing and all of the 13 different tracks that she covers in the show. (laughs) She is one busy lady for sure. Until then, keep making it, and I'll see you next time.